0: You go to uh, church in the afternoon and then uh, get home and prepare the dinner and eat and uh, dance around the Christmas trees and uh, open the presents. I think the best part is getting to be with your family. Um, I think the worst part, getting to be with your family. Nowadays, cell phone. Man, you 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 can sit around in Christmas. Used to be racket, carry on in the house. Now, everybody's on the this, and is as quiet as a mouse. Nobody's talking. That's the word. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint, and Christmas is just a couple of weeks away, and we have a Christmas series uh, that we have entitled Simple Christmas because we want to focus on the things that really matter. Sometimes with all the uh, calendared events, with all the gifts that we have to buy, with all the parties, with all the baking and uh, invitations and what all have you, uh, the meaning of Christmas can get lost, and the most important things can get shuffled under the rug or swept under the rug. So inside your bulletin today, you'll find the first installment in this series, and it's entitled Relationships Matter More. To illustrate how complicated things could be, the original title was Relationships Matter More than all the other stuff we do at Christmas to celebrate the holiday, okay? But I thought we'd simplify it and talk about the relationships matter more because they do. And it's not just for us. This isn't something new, by the way. Relationships have always mattered more Than just parties and things. Don't believe me? Listen to Proverbs 17.1. Better a dry crust eaten eaten where there's peace and quiet than to be in a house full of feasting where there's strife. I'd rather go eat a piece of dry crust than be meeting with people I can't stand. And sometimes when we talk about this, that's what we talk about with Christmas. I remember when I was a kid, we had to go meet with our cousins that came from another state, and I was complaining to my parents, mom and dad, I don't want to go, I don't even like them. And my brother, who was always so encouraging. went, well, nobody likes you either, so it's no big deal, okay? And sometimes we feel this way when we're getting together with in-laws, and people were going, ah, oh, because there's unresolved conflict, or we had all these expectations of Christmas last year, and here was the expectation, and here's where we really brought it in, and oh, man... There's just stuff from two years ago or, you know, there are just topics we can't talk about and ever since grandpa passed away, everything's changed. I mean, you get where I'm going with this. And so now all of a sudden, Christmas isn't a time of peace and joy. It becomes a time where there's strife. Well, today we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus came into the world to bring peace and goodwill. How do we pass that on where we live? Because that's important and keeping the focus on the right things. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we want to have a focus this Christmas on a simple Christmas, to focus on a few simple things. And one of the things that we would all love for Christmas is the gift of peace. So, Lord, I pray that today you'd speak and move me out of the way, and you'd show us a few simple ways that we can bring peace into our homes. We can celebrate the Prince of Peace in a very real way. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Point A on your outline, Christmas is about giving peace and goodwill, God giving peace and goodwill to us through Jesus so we can have a right relationship with him. I mean, don't miss this. If you if you haven't heard uh, the whole idea behind Jesus coming into the world, Jesus is God in the flesh. God gave his own son. He, he allowed his own son, sent his own son into this world to become one of us. That little baby that was born in a manger grew up to be the wonderful Messiah who died on the cross for our sins, paid the penalty for all our sins in full. He died so we could live. He suffered so we could go free from the penalty of sin. And that was God's plan since before the world began. And when this plan was announced, when the arrival of Jesus was announced, here's how it happened. Luke 2. The night Jesus was born, there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields near Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and the shepherds were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of a great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Peace, good will. God and sinners reconciled. Our sins can be forgiven so that the most holy God who never sins can have a right relationship with us even though we've sinned a lot. Because Jesus pays, is coming into the world to pay the penalty for all of our sins. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done. If that's good news to you this Christmas, would you say amen? amen? This is what we celebrate. This is why the angels are singing. This is the greatest thing ever. All the sin that separated us from God is now paid for. Jesus, the Savior, has come into the, will be paid for. Jesus, the Savior, has come into the world. They know the cross is ahead. They know, and they can't wait to see how this is all going to unfold. And it's so exciting that, that all, all of heaven, all the angels in heaven, join in singing the song. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace. Finally, there's a way for peace. Not only in a relationship between us and God, but when we surrender our lives to him, he fills us with his Holy Spirit, and he changes us. And so now there can be peace between us, between people who were formerly enemies. Oh, this is such good news. It fulfills the prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you'd underline Prince of Peace, that's one of Jesus' titles. He came to bring peace between us and God to make it possible for us to become new people, so there can even be peace between us. How wonderful is this? And it's also amazing that Poor shepherds were the people to be announced where this news was announced. But it's so fitting because these were just ordinary people. They weren't the most sophisticated, most wealthy, most beautiful. Just people watching sheep on a hillside. And the angels came to them because this is good news for all people. All of us. Peace is available for all of us. if We'll just come to him. You know, that's what the word Noel means. When you sing about the first Noel, it means birth announcement. The first birth announcement the angels made... I mean, it doesn't sound as good. The first birth announcement. The angels, say, it doesn't sound as good. No L sounds better, but that's what it means. This is the big birth announcement. The Savior of the world has come. You can now be restored to God. There can be peace. There can be goodwill. And it's all possible through Jesus. And that brings us to point B. There are seven things we can do this Christmas to bring peace and goodwill to others. So we can have a right relationship with them. We can put this into practice. Because, see, Christmas can even heighten the tensions that we have. I mean, people ask me all the time, don't you just love Christmas? And I go, well, yeah, I love Christmas. And they go, well, you know, but they kind of go, why did you react that way? And I go, well, you got to understand, in ministry, I get to help people through problems. And if there are problems in family relationships, Christmas doesn't always make those things better. I mean, if you're not getting along with your in-laws, being cooped up for three days in the same house... That's like shaking a bottle of Coke and taking your finger off the top. I mean, I remember when I was a kid once, everybody was praising, hey, maybe it'll snow at Christmas and we'll get snowed in. That actually happened with me, and I have four sisters, one brother. Most of them were married, and they had kids, and we were all in one farmhouse with one bathroom. Two days later, we were all hand-shoveling the way out the driveway, okay? We were ready to go. And when, when you and I get together, if there's unresolved conflict... Oh, man, there's not peace. But think about other things that impact family relationships. If there's an addiction, Christmas isn't going to help that. Not if it's not being dealt with. If you're having money problems, Christmas makes that worse. If you're having a hard time grieving the loss of a loved one, Christmas adds to that. If this is the first Christmas after a divorce, there's a lot of pain. Well, how do I, as a Christian, how do I, as somebody who celebrates the birth of the Prince of Peace, how do I bring peace into that kind of context? And now you'll see where we're going here. I mean, this is why Jesus came, to bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Well, how could he bring peace? How could I bring peace into my family? Here are seven things we can do. I hope you'll find these helpful. One, you and I, first of all, you and I can be responsible for our attitudes, not the attitudes of others. And this will help bring peace. I'll explain in just a second. Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, I can be responsible for my attitude. I mean, think about this. I might, it might be really hectic at my office and really stressful, but I don't have to bring that home. Say there's all kinds of turmoil at work or there's all kinds of stress, there's all kinds of things going on, Deadlines. I can bring that all home with me, and even if everybody's happy at home, I can dump all that stress into the house and go, Merry Christmas, with my hair on fire. Okay, well, that's not going to help. I don't have to respond. I don't have to have all the problems that have come my way. I don't have to pass those on. I can be responsible for my attitude. Listen to uh, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If I'm Christmas shopping and somebody takes the parking spot or somebody's really frustrated and they're fussing and other things, I don't have to go, hey, he fussed at me. Okay, free chance to fuss back. Let's take it to another level. I mean, that's not the Christmas spirit. The point is, if I'm going to bring peace when other people are frustrated, that's my chance to show grace. I can't control what other people are going to say to me. I can't control the attitude of others. I can control how I respond. And what if this Christmas I started praying, this is why we're doing this now, at the beginning, what if I start praying about this now? Because I think traffic is going to get worse at the shopping malls. What do you bet? I think people get more stressed when a holiday gets closer. What if I could say, hey, even if people are bringing stress and anger or problems toward me, what if I said, hey, I'm not going to respond that way. Lord, would you show me how to be an agent of peace when I go shopping? Would you show me how to be an agent of peace at my office? Would you show me how to be an agent of peace with my friends? Hebrews chapter 12. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. I mean, it is so terribly true that you and I can take an active stand against resentment because it can spread. And we can be the people who say, no, I'm not going to let that spread. I'm going to be an agent of peace. And what if we prayed about that? I can't response, be responsible for everybody else's attitude, but I can be responsible for mine, and I'm going to choose to be someone who spreads peace. You know what people want for Christmas this year? They want the gift of peace. They would love a gift of peace. And I can choose that right now and say, God, would you help me do that? Secondly, you and I can apologize and admit our part of problems. I mean, if we're going to get pe- together with people in our family where there's a problem, hey, Well, we need to admit our part and say we're sorry. This is embracing humility. I mean, if there's a problem between me and a family member, then I need to go first. Jesus said this. He said, look, why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, here, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Hey, let's deal with our own issues first. And what this would mean is us taking the lead and, and even writing a letter or an email or making a phone call. Hey, I'm just calling. We're going to be getting together in about three weeks, and I just want to call and tell you I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I think there's something between us that happened back last summer, and I feel like the relationship hasn't been right. And I just want to apologize to you before Christmas so we can enjoy the holiday together. Right? I hope we can put the past behind us. I mean, that's being an agent of peace and goodwill toward men, and asking, God, would you, God, I know you came into the world to reconcile us with our heavenly Father. Would you help me reconcile? Would you help that love overflow in my heart? And we got to be smart about this. A couple of years ago, I told a fella, um, you know, to do this. He realized that you know he had some things to work through, and in his case, it was to forgive somebody, and you know, and so he wrote him a letter and. And then last year, I said, well, how'd that turn out? He said, well, not well. It didn't turn out well at all. I go, what did you say? And he said, well, I wrote him a letter, and I said, I forgive you for this, 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 and this, and uh, Merry Christmas. And I said, well, you know, that really sounded like I blame you for this, 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 and this. Why didn't you just listen to him? Did you ever ask how he was doing? Oh, no, I left that part out. And did you apologize for your part? Hmm. Well, if we're going to reconcile and put relationships first, then we've got to embrace humility, and then we can move on. And that brings us to point three, I can choose to forgive. If it's my fault, I can take the first step. If it's the other person's fault, I can let go. I can't, uh, I'm not responsible for the hurt that they created in my life, but I am responsible if I allow that to ruin Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. When am I going to let go? What am I going to say that's enough? I forgive you. Make allowance for each other's faults, Colossians 3:13, Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. The Lord forgives us. This is, this is the great news. There's a savior who forgives all our sins and he wants us to forgive others and not hold their sins against the sins that they've committed against us to hold on to those anymore. Let them go. And so this requires me to say, hey, relationship is more important. Peter came to Jesus one day and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. I mean, that's my family. That's your family. I mean, this is true with family. You're going to offend each other more than once. Um, Yeah, in my house more than, well, a lot. The good news is, is we can come to God with all those things and say, God, would you help me with this? And he will. A fourth thing we can do, we can choose to love others even if we don't agree with them. We can choose to love others even if we don't agree with them. You know, there are things we disagree about. We can disagree about um, politics, we can disagree about economics. We can disagree about football. I mean, I nobody nobody here ever does, but anyway, but in other parts of the country they do. Um, no, we we can uh, we can disagree about anything, and if we choose to focus on all the things that separate us, well, we can end up with a terrible fight. But if we focus on the things that we agree on, it would help. But the other thing is, we can choose to accept people where they are and love them, even if we don't even if we completely disagree with them. I mean, is it really realistic that we can expect all the people in our family to agree with us on everything? And even if we think that doing something terribly wrong, the Bible tells us that the way to remember how God looks at us, that's why I've included the story of the prodigal son in here, where we get a glimpse into God's heart. This is from Luke 15. You may have heard this story many times. Think of it now in terms of a family gathering at Christmas. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, Look, I want my share of your estate now before you die, which is always an unpopular idea. If one of my kids came to me, Dad, I know I'm in your will. Give me my share of the inheritance because I'm not waiting till you kick off. Yeah, that would be bad. So his father agreed to divide his wealth uh, between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, "'At home, even the hired hands have food enough to spare, "'and here I am, dying of hunger. "'I'll go home to my father and say, "'Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, "'and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. "'Please take me on as a hired servant.' So he returned home to his father." And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. If you please underline, he ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, here's the prepared speech. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his dad stopped him. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was out in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard the music, dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged him, and he replied, But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. I mean, that's a picture of how the Lord treats us when we are embroiled in sin and far from him. It's the whole reason he sent Jesus into the world, to save us from our sins, because he loves us so much. We were, like, we were all that, that younger son, shaking our fists and saying, I want to go my own way. And the Bible tells us that God, the picture of God that we need to embrace is God as a heavenly father who is constantly looking and hoping that we're going to come back, that today would be the day when we'd come to our senses. I mean, that's the picture of God's love, the picture of a father standing at the window hoping and praying that this will be the day that his rebellious son turns from the rebellion and comes home. And when he was a long way off, the father ran to him. Do you know God's desire is for us to be reconciled with him? It cost him the life of his own son. Jesus never sinned, but he became sin on our behalf. He paid the penalty From mine and yours. All the sins we've ever committed. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. But the older brother, he wouldn't have any of that. Oh, your son has come back. And the father's going, son, you have everything. You're going to inherit everything I have. I mean, your brother's back. I mean, isn't it interesting? The first son separated himself by his selfishness when he went away, and he came home. The older brother separated himself from the father and his brother by his bitterness that he wouldn't let go of. And the father's going, son, you've you got to agree having your brother back is what we've all been longing for. I mean, what if this Christmas I was praying for people in my family who were living far from God? Have I been praying for them? What if my desire was to tell them that I love them, even if I don't agree with everything they're doing? The father didn't agree with spending his money on prostitutes, but it never changed his love for him. And so this Christmas, what if I could also give a gift of love and let people know I love you even if I don't agree with you? I care for you. That's a way we can extend peace and goodwill to people who need it desperately. And the whole time be praying that they'll turn from their sins, turn from things that are hurting them. A fifth thing we can do is we can be respectful and gracious in our conversations. I mean, this matters. Choosing our words carefully. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Do you know that when we have conversations with people that we aren't expecting to like. Many times when we sit down and listen to them, we find out things that we actually like and admire. I've been wrong about people before. Anybody else? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, if I'm going to be a person of peace and extend peace and goodwill, how about extending just a conversation and being respectful to older people? Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brother's. 1 Timothy five. I mean, right now I would tell you this. One of the things I tell people all the time, you know, don't, don't be too hasty to get out of those family gatherings. Oh man, I got to talk to people, and I don't even know them. Well, this is a chance to get to know them. You know, one of the things that's really struck me the older I get is how much how important the conversations I did have really were. My mom and dad have both passed, and I would give anything to have a conversation with them this Christmas. I mean, if you have an older person in your family, what a great opportunity to sit down with them and talk about the memories of what it was, what Christmas like to be used to be years ago. What a great opportunity to listen to them and glean some advice and some counsel. And if you and I are going to bring peace and joy and goodwill, there are so many people around us that are just dying to have somebody to have a conversation with. And now we're going back to why we're doing this whole thing anyway. I mean, we could have all the decorations in the world, but what if we never had time to have the conversation? We could have excellent food, but we really didn't talk about anything of substance. But if we're willing to forgive, and we're willing to make amends when we're the one that's in the wrong, and if we're willing to sit down and have a conversation and pray for people and love them, it's amazing what God can do. That brings us to number six we can pray together. Now this is a wonderful thought. This isn't just praying before you eat. This is having a time of prayer. Uh picked a passage out of the Bible that many of us don't look at that much. Acts 21, Paul is making his way to Jerusalem. He stops off in a city called Tyre. It's on the coast of Syria. And there was a church that had formed there and Paul stopped by to meet with the believers. He spent a day or two with them and when our time was up, it was time to get back on the ship to headed toward Jerusalem. They escorted us out of the city to the docks, and everyone came along, men, women, and children, and they made a farewell party of the occasion. And we all kneeled down together on the beach and prayed. What happened was, Paul had gotten together with all these folks, and they turned it into an occasion to pray before Paul was sent off. I mean, think about you and me extending peace and goodwill when we got a person who's going to be deployed this next year. Hey, before before we leave today, um, so-and-so is going to be deployed in a couple of months. Can we all gather around them and pray? Hey, before we leave this Christmas gathering, um, these folks are going to start college. They're heading back to college in a couple of weeks. Can we pray for their spring semester? I mean, there are people all around us that are dying for an opportunity to feel like they're a part of the family. And do you know how much it extends God's goodwill and peace when we pray for each other? And what if this was a part of our holiday celebration this year? And finally... Number seven, you and I can open our Christmas celebrations to the needy, the lonely, and the less fortunate. We can. Jesus said this. He said the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be an experience, a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it'll be returned at the resurrection of God's people. I mean, what a wonderful thing. There are folks this year who are all alone. Their spouse passed away, and they don't have anybody to celebrate Christmas with. A few years ago, a friend of mine invited me to go to a nursing home with him. Goes to a nursing home every year, and goes and visits people and talks with them, has conversations with them. I said, why do you do that? He said, well, I started coming up here when my grandmother was here, and then she passed away, but I'd gotten to know the other people who lived in the rooms next to him, and I decided I'd come up here. And so what he'd done is he'd even organized a couple of people to go with him. And they would get presents for people who had no family left anymore. They'd go sit down and talk to him, pray for him, bring him a Christmas present. I said they are all alone. There are people this Christmas who will spend Christmas Day in the hospital. There are people, their loved ones are halfway around the world. And like we talked about before, sometimes it gets tense when the family's all together. Well, sometimes it's painful when the family's all scattered. And what if you and I opened up a place at the dinner table and said, hey, could you come join us? Now we can be extending peace and goodwill toward men, even in the midst of a hectic schedule. So, I mean, look at the list here again. I can control my own attitude. I can't control the, other, the attitudes of others. I can apologize and humble myself if I've been wrong. I can forgive others even if they don't apologize to me. I can choose to love people whom I disagree with. I can pray for people. I can have meaningful conversations. And I could open my house to bring people in. And you go, I can't do that. Well, here's the good news for you. Life application here. We can do all these things through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can. We can. Here's an encouraging verse for you, 2 Thessalonians 1.11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Now listen to this. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. And so today, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray. If God prompted you as you're reading this list going, you know, I need to do that. I need to make an apology. That God give you the power to get on the phone and call somebody and say, hey, I want to make an apology before Christmas gets here. I'm going to pray that God's going to give you the power to do that today. Maybe there's somebody you know that you can invite, and you've even been talking about it. You know, I don't think they have any place to go for Christmas. You've never done this before, but God will give you the power to invite them in, someone to join you for the Christmas holiday. Maybe God's really put it on your heart to just go have conversations with someone. Yeah, I'm going to go spend some time with them because they seem lonely. I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to ask that God would give us the power to do this so that on the day when we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, people would see the Prince of Peace living through us. I mean, this is what God wants for us. He wants us to be his ambassadors in a world that needs hope. What's so much more important than just planning the right holiday, than having the right food, than wearing the right sweater, what's so much more important than that is having peace and restoring relationships. They matter more. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning to talk about some very practical things we could do to extend peace into our world. Father, we have so much strife in this world. There's so much unresolved conflict. And some of us, Lord, we've just been dealing with all kinds of issues, even in our own families this past year. And now it's Christmas. And so, God, I'm praying for the power to do the things that you prompt us to do through our faith. In a moment of silence, if the Lord spoke to you about making sure that you watch your attitude, and even if other people are fussing at you, that you don't fuss back and say, Lord, would you give me the strength to give a gentle answer even when people are unkind to me? If there's an apology you need to make, would you pray that God would give you the strength to write that email Or make that phone call today. Hey, I want to celebrate Christmas with you. And I want to bury the hatchet. Would you pray right now that God would help you forgive? Even if something wasn't your fault. And somebody was terribly rude to you and hurt you a couple of years ago. That you'd be able to let go of that. The hurt wasn't your fault. But carrying it when you don't need to anymore is. Just let it go and say, God, would you help me let go? I'll let you settle the score. If there's anything to settle, I'll let Jesus handle it. I mean, you pray that God would give you eyes to see somebody you could love, even if you disagree with them. Somebody you could have a conversation with who's just lonely. Somebody you could invite in and pray for. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we have a few weeks till Christmas, and I pray that you would prepare our hearts and that we'd make room in our hearts this week, this Christmas season, so your peace and your love can shine out. Pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus.